I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Cohen over on Hip Hop by the Numbers on X and Instagram where you use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. Well, I highlight the fifth fan of hip hop, which is knowledge. The saga continues right before your eyes. The saga continues because it's do or die. The saga continues right before your eyes. You know why? So I'm digging for life. That's st- come come for the intros. Stay for everything else. Hi Ben, how's your week been? What have you listened to this week? This week I listened to only a couple of projects. Yo Gotti dropped the tape with DJ Drama. Um, yeah, it's good, man. What do you think? Yo Gotti, DJ Drama is just gonna be bangers on bangers, and then that's exactly what it is. Us Kingpin dropped another project. Um, again, very very very. Very distinct voice, very distinct. I I just enjoy everything. He's he's dropped like four albums this year alone, I think, maybe three. Um, yeah, man. I, I'm not saying he's leveling up with each project, but I'm I'm still enjoying every project as much as the last. I've not got diminishing returns yet from that. BLP Kosher dropped a project and it's pretty shit. I didn't really enjoy it very much. Rick Hyde dropped uh, and that was good. I I like that a lot. Tracks with Benny were great. Um, and that's it, man. I didn't get into much this week, and I didn't. I didn't really sit with what I listened to. I, I watched Oppenheimer yesterday, so that was my. Oh, um, nice. That was my deep dive for the weekend. Nice. Well, we shall film review at the end. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I got into just realized something. All female. Go me. Um, Chica Samson the album. Um, I feel like I feel like Chica should just go ahead and uh, just create a musical. Um, (laughs) it kind of just felt like a it felt like the makings of a musical you know what I mean and uh, you know that's cool it's cool it's different Um, you know it's definitely different uh, compared to everything else I've listened to this year in that front and yeah some really good uh, really good moments uh, really good stuff all over the place and uh, yeah man just uh, but you know just don't 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 be don't be They'll be pushing away the true calling. Clearly, clearly, there is a Tony Award waiting for for Chica at some point. Yeah. Just has to get, just has to put that pen down the paper, and uh, you know, just think of a think of a very funny story or something. I don't know what is what the uh, parameters for a musical, uh, especially a Tony Award in a Tony Award winning musical is. But um, you know, go for it. Clearly, got the got the source. Uh, what else did we get to? Uh, Ramya Pot. Three, uh, with Hazy, little EP. Uh, shout to Mickey and or Jashma that put me on. Um, I feel like I probably just uh followed her and just waited, <laughs> just waited for, just waited for something to come through. And uh, yeah, we got this little EP called Hazy, six tracks, just over twenty minutes. Um, and yeah, it's just some, uh, I guess, a couple of uh, you know, kind of just a mixture of. R&B, a little bit of folk, acoustic elements in here. It's different. Um, it's, it's, it's different. So, um, you know, big respect to that front. 
Uh, really like um, the title track was really good. Uh, too much with Prawny. Even the last track, here we go again, again with Prawny. Great name, Prawny. Um, but yeah, it's just a really solid EP. Can't complain. Uh, really solid. Uh, one I've been wanting to listen to for past, I don't know, <laughs> month or so, and just finally got to it this week, uh, was Asia Monet, uh, spelled A-J-A-M-O-N-E-T. Uh, when the poems do what they do. Um, as you can imagine, from the tiles, this is a spoken word album. Uh, but it's not just a spoken word album. For one thing, it is uh, pushing 90 minutes. And I feel like this album just has a very definitive uh, subject matter to it. You know, you have stuff like uh, Black Joy, Why Am I Love, What Makes You Feel Loved, uh, Castaway, For the Kids Who Live. You know, these are very uh, uh, easy titles to grasp, right? But she just goes into these lyrical tapestries that is very, very outstanding. I have I haven't listened to Asia Monet before this album. Um I didn't know about Asia Monet before this album. Uh from what I can gather, this is her first album and uh, it might be just as definitive as any album could be. Um this is very unique. It's uh very um very purposeful in all of the machinations and all the elements that are used. Uh, musically, there's some just great jazz all over the spot. Um, I'm just going to hit the credits a little right quick just to get a couple of names onto here because uh, there's just some really good just uh, playing here. Like uh, Marcus Gilmore on drums, uh, several. Uh, uh, what's the word? Several uh, appearances from uh, Samora and Elena Pinderhues, um, and s- plenty more because there's just so much good stuff all over this. Uh, Weathering's probably my favorite out of the bunch lyrically. Um, I really love just um, I really love the uh, the relationship angle she takes and the and just the heart she puts through it. Um, you know, she just sounds. She's she's embodying the track in that sense, and as 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 you should as a spoken word artist. But yeah, man, really underrated album. Um, really hope people you know just find some time to give it a spin. Um, like I said, it does push forty min uh forty ninety minutes. Um, but I think it's supremely worth it just off first listen. I think you can gain so much off it. Um, just off that first listen. Uh, but yeah, uh, next one, Marla Brown, uh, Remedy. Uh, daughter of uh, reggae legend Dennis Brown, and well, she has Dennis Brown on here for Revolution Part Four, which is kind of is obviously very convenient. Um, but you know, the rest is her, and it's just some solid reggae, man. Solid reggae, just half an hour, just under half an hour. Some good tracks on here. The title track's really good. Cardinal Official with uh, on on Revolution Part Four, also really good. Uh, LDN uh, with uh, Moezy. Uh, it's a nice little uh, homage to the LDN. Shout out to London, gang gang. And um, yeah, it's just uh, just some really good, really, really good stuff. Um, first time spinning her and really enjoyed it. Um, friend of 5e and friend of both of us, uh, Backward Sweetie, Ancestral Aspect EP. Um, so if you guys are not into anything 5%, Give this a spin because it's really the 5% of Starter Pack. And I mean that in the most generous way possible. 
it really does um it's really educational in that sense and how she goes about talking into it uh talking about it as the as the entire subject matter is you know the gods and the earths and who are the gods and who are the earths right you gather that from the track list and you and you gather that from how she's uh from from what she's saying on the ep um it's only four tracks um it should be on uh, all streaming platforms by the time this comes out. It has been on Bandcamp for the past couple of days. And uh, yeah, obviously, you know, just had to give it a spin. Just had to give it a spin. Shout to Back With Sweet. Really good stuff. Um, I really like the fact that she's getting into this 5% of bag. Um, if you follow her on social media, she regularly uh, retweets and um, responds to and tweets, you know, just a... Uh, well, it's not even a tweet anymore, it's posting, but you know, I mean, fuck it, who gives a shit um, about shitter? And uh, yeah, she just, <laughs> she's been, she's been into it, she's been into it, and uh, it was only a matter of time before she explored it properly on wax, and uh, I'm happy for her that she's been able to uh, finally give that a go, and uh, in my eyes, a roaring success, um, so shout out to her on that one. And uh, lastly, <laughs> great name on there, literally, She Who Won't Be Named. Great name. Uh, time to change. So this is actually, along with Vitamin C, um, this is kind of just one I found off suggestion uh, via Bandcamp while I was listening to Back of Sweet. This is the second time it's happened. And um, I think she's from this, this uh, She Who Won't Be Named uh, <laughs> is from Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, you don't, it, when we say Memphis, Tennessee, you know, people think of, you know, 3-6 Mafia, etc, etc. But this is actually just firmly um, just some, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to go, I don't want to say boom bap for the, for the hell of it, because it's not dark or dingy. It's actually very light. Um, it's, it's, it's got very light hardness towards it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an EP that doesn't really take itself too seriously. She clearly doesn't take herself too seriously. Um, and I like it, I like it, I really enjoy it, um, it's got some really good stuff all over there, and, uh, you know, just <laughs> iconic name, like, she won't be named, it's just, it's great, just love it, love it to death, um, but yeah, man, gonna give her a follow, and, uh, look forward to the future projects from her, if anything, looking forward to that, definitely, and with that said, we shall hop into our topic for this episode, it's very ironic, I've been doing, uh, <laughs> a week of music ground up all about women, uh, when we're going to explore the career and the discography of MC Ren. We did NWA last week, so it obviously just seemed very logical to just go ahead and do MC Ren, because why not? He only has four albums and a couple of EPs, and um, they all <laughs> give off a different vibe, um, uh, in more or less. Uh, but, you know, there's some, there's, there's definitely some through lines. <laughs> there's definitely some through lines throughout them. And, um, yeah... So, with that said, Ben, what we got for this one? Well, MC Ren has by far the lowest profile of all the NWA alumni, except maybe Arabian Prince. Um, since 1994, he's become more and more reluctant to do interviews, and even when he does them, they don't tend to be three-hour Combat Jack-style sit-downs. He's also, more often than not, far more interested in talking about the present than the past, and so his path to Easy e is not very well documented, but once he made it to Easy e um, he was immediately thrown into hip-hop. He, he told an interviewer back in 2003 that they grew up in the same neighborhood and that Easy was a few years older than him, um, but he was running with MC Ren's brother, so that's how he came into the orbit. 
as an iconic headline from a 94 interview with MC Ren. They say, of all the NWA rappers to go solo, MC Ren has kept the lowest profile. Now father and recent Nation of Islam convert, he's older and wiser, but no more talkative. And that is Ren. If, if he's talking about what he's interested in, he will talk forever in interviews. But if he's not interested in it, he, he doesn't really talk about it that much. And I respect that a lot. You know, I think I was talking about... Who was it a couple of weeks ago we did that? Uh, Master Ace. Master Ace was very similar. So one thing Ren did say about Easy e is the head of Ruthless Records, is how adept he is at identifying talent. Now, Ren said if Easy e said someone was good, then they were good. Now, in that same interview, he speaks about the pressure placed upon him when Ice Cube left NWA, and the bulk of the writing work fell on his shoulders. So he said his goal with the second album was to be even more over the top to take all the criticism they'd received about violence and misogyny and really lean into it and create something even more outlandish. And the mission was accomplished, but it feels a little bit hollow when you consider the lyrical content in Ren's entirety of his solo work. But we'll get to that. So he began rhyming in junior high with his friendship, and the two would rap uh, into their tape recorder, emulating their favorite artists. Now, Ren's activities in the streets, he said, were short-lived, and when things didn't work out on that side of life, it only convinced him to lean harder into the music. He told the source back in 1994, my friend Chip, his house got raided, that fucked me up, so we had to chill out for a minute, and after that, I was trying to stay deep in the music. So, as Master Ren and Rap and C, aka Chip, the duo would run up on stages at house parties and frequent open mics, challenging anyone and everyone to lyrical battles. And this was developing his flair, you know, his battle ability and his ability to perform. Because you've got to remember that NWA went out on tour behind that debut album straight away and fucking annihilated it. Like they were tearing stages down. And you have to remember why, because, you know, Easy e he was a born performer. His interviews are iconic. Dr. Dre was in world-class wrecking crew, so he knew exactly how to work a stage. And MC Ram was up on stages since junior high, so even though they were young, they had a lot of experience. So serendipity struck, or maybe just opportunity met talent, because he met DJ Train. Now, Ren told the source that one day he had a Walkman in school, and he was talking to Train, and Train and he just started playing each other music, and they realized they had a lot in common, and so they started working together. And, you know, they, they ended up working with uh, Easy e and he was five years older than MC Ren, and... Um, Ren told the source he was older he was like with my brother and they used to roll around and shit and every time he came by I'd be fucking with him and he knew I rapped and we just knew each other like that so very simple as I say these interviews that he's done about his past are very simple um, and this was something MC Ren envisaged for himself he did want to become a rapper he told an interviewer back in 1994 there was one time when I just wanted to bang but I said no because I know what would happen if I really started banging I already got shot once once I got older, I knew I had a choice to either bang or make these ends the way I'm doing it now. You can make money by banging, but you risk getting popped a lot quicker or just losing all your shit. Again, simple, you know, it's too risky to do that. So I'm going to run with music. So Easy E clearly saw something potent in Ren. And it would be deeply untrue to label MC Ren as anything less than a deep thinker about the world, especially religion, politics, and society. In his early interviews, when he does open up, it's often about his experience with spirituality, um, his experience as a youth trying to survive in his surroundings, and his views on the greater social landscape. He doesn't shy away from difficult questions at all in interviews. Um, in an interview promoting his debut album, the interviewer said, some people are going to have a problem with your album and the new persona. They may even think that you're a hypocrite based on your being a Muslim and some of the material on your album. What do you say to those critics? And Ren's response is, People need to understand that I can't make my whole album about teaching because a lot of my fans will be lost. 
they will be like, what the fuck is he doing? But see, if I keep the album closer to the way the last one was, and I just drop jewels along with uh, along with it, you can't catch a fish without bait on the hook. So I'm going to bait the hook. So as I say, like yeah, he may, he he replies with simplicity most of the time, but he thinks deeply about everything he does and says, um, and that will. You know, that's why I don't really like his content very much because he's a very aware human. Now, Easy e not only saw a capable MC and performer in Ren, um, he saw this deep thinker and someone who is quiet but not passive. You know, he's eloquent and informed. In an interview with Rap Pages from February 94, he explained how his solo deal with Ruthless was taking far too long to progress because that's the whole, that was the, that was the point at the start. You know, Ren came on as a solo artist into Ruthless Records and Ruthless was already up and running by this point, you know. Uh, apparently, um, Easy had Cube and Dre already, so NWA already existed. And Ren came in to do a solo record, but Ruthless had this this thing back then that they only wanted to work on one album at a time. They only wanted to dedicate their their resources to one album at a time, perfect it, put it out, and then move on to the next. So this was taking a bit too long for Ren. So. Um, you know, Easy decided to bring him into the group, and Ren told uh, Rap Pages from '94. He said that you know Cube wrote "Boys in the Hood," but then Cube had to go to school in Arizona, so they had no one else to write any music for uh, for Easy for his debut album. So Ren gets writing credit on six tracks off Easy's debut solo album. That's fifty percent of the album. And whilst Cube's writing was it was funny in places, but more so incendiary and very vivid. Renz was a little bit more focused on humor, a little bit more focused on shock value to get a point across. You know, he opens easy, does it with, well, I'm easy E, I got bitches galore. You may have a lot of bitches, but I've got more. And that's just like, you know, that's so simple, but it's it's shocking like to hear that in 1988 just coming out of your speaker. Like it's, but you know, in the second verse of that, he admirably does match the energy of Boys in the Hood. You know, he kind of rolls easy through an ordinary day in Compton, and it's just as vivid as Cube's writing. So he's a great, you know, I guess, substitute for Cube when Cube left the group. Um, and his love for his fellow group members is, is palpable. In an interview with The Source from 94, he recalls of how much genius Dr. Dre was, his experience of being an Ice Cube fan before he even met him. You know, Ice Cube put out a random mixtape through his group CIA, and Easy E was playing it. He loved it. Uh, sorry, MC Ren was playing it. He loved it. He really, really, really enjoyed. It. And and when he first met Cube, he told him all about it. Like he was a massive fan. When he talks about um, uh, NWA, it's just with like he misses it. You know, he really does. Uh, in in that interview with the source, he says we used to do demos at Eric's house too in his mother's garage. He had a gang of shit hooked up in there. Him and Dre would be in there doing beats. Cube and me would just sit in that motherfucker rapping and shit. We used to go to the studio from like 12 o'clock all day, all night. I kind of miss that because we used to be in there all day, all of us together. It's kind of hard to remember. It's hard to kind of remember some of this. That's when we were young. Then was the bomb days. And sometimes he says in interviews, that was only 94. You know, that wasn't 2010. Like that was only a few years after it all happened. And he was already, you know, cut up by the group ending. And it kind of feels to me like the dissolution of NWA hurt Ren more than any of the other members, maybe aside from Eazy-E. But I feel like Eazy-E just pivoted and, and was like, oh, fuck, I'm just going to push Ruthless. You know, maybe it hurt Ren the most. In an interview with Yash on uh, Dub CNN from 2003, Yash asked why the group didn't bother to diss Ice Cube back after No Vaseline. And Ren pretty much just said the group was done by that point. He was like... Um, you know, he talks about wanting to do another project, but without Dre and Cube, 
Easy E was really reluctant to do it, but Ren was pretty keen to continue, even though Drain Cube just no, didn't exist anymore it, it, within the group, within the NWA's orbit. So, you know, it's, it just makes me, I feel like he was a very reluctant solo artist. You know, we talked last week about NWA having the, like, the building blocks to be possibly the greatest group in hip hop history if they'd pushed into the 90s, kept Drain Cube and allowed them to evolve the way they did, but within the group, it would have just been, maybe it would never have, I don't think it was ever going to work, because it didn't work, you know what I mean? But if that had happened, it would have been incredible, and I think that's what Ren really wanted, you know? I think he wanted a at least a decade-long group to kind of, uh, yeah, like not worry about solo stuff, but he had to worry about it. He had to worry about it early, and he dropped his debut EP, and it blew the fuck up, man. It went number 12 on the Billboard 200, which is actually fucking epic for a debut EP from, you know, a solo member who didn't have the profile of Cube and Dre, but to go nearly top 10 with just an EP as well, unbelievable. And unfortunately, that's the highest he would scale in terms of commercial heights. Every subsequent album and project dropped a little bit further. Um, and then he had a falling out with Eazy-E. And at one point, according to Jerry Heller, Eazy-E thought Ren was the best rapper in NWA, but by the end, the two had separated, and that was something that DJ Speed told Unique Access was brought about by Jerry Heller's apparent uh, like desire to have Easy E all to himself. DJ Speed said that Jerry Heller needed to be the closest to Easy E with jealous intent, he claims. And Heller put up walls between Easy E and everyone around him. And DJ Speed even said Arabian Prince tried to warn uh, MC Ren and Ice Cube about Heller, but I don't really hear Ren talking about Heller that much in interviews. In that dub CNN interview from, what was it, 2003, he said that he hadn't spoken to Jerry Heller in years, which was unsurprising. Um, but yeah, man, it's interesting. We get we get his debut album, Shock of the Hour. I'm curious as to how you feel about this. Uh, well, first of all, uh, put this put that coil up in lights uh, for everybody. Uh, ben thought that NWA wouldn't survive because it didn't. Um, so that was that was great. Yeah, really but that's you know what I mean when I say that. You know, we we endlessly debate shit on hip hop Twitter. Like, what if this had happened? Well, it didn't happen, <laughs> so it was never going to happen. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was very it's not going to work because it didn't work. Very philosophical of me. Come on, fucking analysis, come through. This is what you come here for, guys. All right, <laughs> fucking hell, come for the come for the come, come for the, the insight you know, analysis. Stay for the intros. Um, yeah, shock of the hour. All right. Um, the most confusing thing about this album for me, off the bat, is that uh, this is apparently is supposed to be an album cut in half. Uh, but if you told me uh, that this album cuts in half, I'll be like, when? Yeah, where? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm like too. Where? <laughs> I knew it for a fa- I knew it for a fact beforehand. I was just like, I was waiting for. Uh, I think it was. Um, yeah, Mayday on the front line. I was waiting for that because that's when the halfway point comes in. I'm just like, all right, here we go. He's now he's he's now a part of Nation of Islam, but he's just converted to Islam, and uh, now he's going to come through with some different shit. All right, and d- yeah, more the same. <laughs> it's just sort of the same what happened before uh, with the previous tracks. Um, you know, and that kind of and that, that could have while I while I kind of wish that was more obvious. Um, I'm not too down about it because the production throughout is just so fucking good. So fucking crispy. 
so dingy, so dark, like literally. Like it's the the villain aspect, uh, uh, the villain uh, uh, moniker that um, Rain gives himself, you know, throughout his career, is just really it's really apt, especially when it comes to the production uh, majority. Uh, uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Jam, uh, I think it's it's Tootie Tootie Tootie. Um, so yeah, him as well, and uh, yeah, it's just the production is crispy. Um, but then we get to the subject matter. Um, the subject matter is like, I mean, like you said, kind of, you know, shock rap for shock rap's sake. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it achieves it. It achieves it. And, um, actually it's aged like fucking milk. Um, the highlight for me, and I say that, you know, not literally, um, is on You Wanna Fuck Her. Great name. For a track, of course, yeah, really amazing. Um, and then you have this verse two, which is just it just goes into absolute, absolute grimy detail of of just commenting about a woman is crazy. It's absolute absurd. This is All right. Listen, well here we go in this video, bitch. Crabs on her pussy. Got no choice but to itch. I don't need that visual in my head, Ben. Don't need it. Did not ever want it. Never asked for that. Yo, she's sucking niggas dick for two seconds of airtime. Went so fast, didn't see your trifling ass. Always at the fu- functions, fucking. Always in the sign. Fuck it, you ain't worth nothing. You're like a disease, that's what you are. Fuck the whole click in the back of my car. Then had the nerve to leave a stain on my seat. I should have snapped your ass for doing the same thing, <laughs> same to my sheets. <laughs> Every week you're on the soul train, looking like a hoe, doing the same fucking thing. Stretch marks looking all nasty and shit, trying to keep your shirt to prevent from getting hurt. Keep down, da- keep down your shirt to prevent from getting hurt. But you brought onto yourself, yo, you lost, stupid bitch, and don't know where the fuck to go. So quit trying to pretend, cause you'll get broke down by a nigga named Ren. So peep, yeah, real slow next time. You're about to pimp a hoe. Great, just um, you know, just real, real deep, um, real, real deep lyrics right there. Um, just, just, <laughs> just outstanding. And to be honest, that's kind of all, that's kind of all I get from this album is just a lot of misogyny, um, and you know a couple of uh, you know decent flexing. I mean, can I, I have to mention the title track, which does eventually finally kind of get into you know just the <clears throat> uh, religion religious aspects um, of this album. It takes literally until the last track for me personally to actually get there. You know, uh, now Ishmaelites, Israelites, Med, Med- Medianites, Yedon- Yedonamites, and Canaan. The shock of the hour has come to devour the evil deceivers of Satan. Like, yeah, it gets really deep into it um, on that front. Uh, well, especially for the first verse anyway. more, And then kind of mixes in the rest uh, of the other stuff uh, for for that one. But um, yeah, apart from that particular track, you know, I guess you, you can take... You know, attack on Babylon, and you know you can you can. I mean, Farrakhan is is a uh, voiced in this as well. Um, I, I'm assuming it's just a uh, just some uh, something from something from the speech, and obviously, shock of the hour. By the way, I meant to say this as well. Um, is actually uh, a homage to Farrakhan, and uh, I think like a free hour lecture slash speech that he had one time. Um, 
I was I was looking up just to you know try and find a transcript or something just to see what you're saying, and then I saw uh just a YouTube link saying three hours in science. I'm just like I'm I'm good on that one, so I left that. Uh, feel free to get into that. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's yes, it's a ton of misogyny, a little bit of religious element on the back end. Um, but by the time that happens, uh, is you you, you kind of just get what you get what you're given. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's 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 definitely shock. It's it's shocking in in some in some ways. Um, but you know, once you once you get halfway through the album, you're just like you kind of just run down. You're just like you know, you you just the beats are carrying it really for me. Um, but I and I just have to like stomach the lyrics. You know what I mean? That's kind of just how I how I went about particularly listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Well. It went uh, 22 on Billboard 200. Um, actually, half of it was apparently recorded before he joined Nation of Islam. The other half was recorded after. Now, I don't know how accurate that is because, I don't know, if I were to do an analysis on it, and obviously I can't because I wasn't in the room with him, but it's just difficult to see where the other half is, to be honest. But anyway, he told the Rap Pages interview from 1994 the origin of his connection to that Nation of Islam, and he said... When I was in high school, someone tried to drop it on me. I thought the dude was crazy. My mind was so far gone that it took me from 1987 until 1994 just to accept the teachings. So I figure if it took me that long, it might take another person that long to want to change. Once you get the teachings, you want to do something. You want to straighten up and get all of your people and family into the teachings. I used to get frustrated trying to get everybody in my family into the teachings. I've gone through some of them not speaking to me at all, all of them thinking I'm crazy. I can't even tell you. So I just said that if Allah wants me to turn their light switch on, they'll turn on. If they don't straighten up, they must stay in the conditions they're in. Now, this is a common thread with Ren in interviews. You're either in his good graces or you're not. You're either with him or you're not. And his attitude, as Charlie said, towards women on this record is deplorable. It is truly abhorrent. Hip-hop and misogyny go hand in hand in a lot of people's minds, and it is always an uphill battle trying to convince certain people that there's far more to the genre than disrespecting women, but MC Ren makes that job hundreds of times harder than it needs to be, and I, I just cannot stand this out, mate. I cannot. I have no time for it whatsoever, not because the production sucks or because Ren sucks as a, as a rapper um, or because it's a mess, simply because the way he talks about women on here is just straight up unlistenable. Every time a bar like that comes up, it's just it's just a skip it's a straight skip so in the same interview with rap pages the interviewer understandably points out uh how horrible ren is with women on this record and he asks how he justifies that kind of content while seeking a more righteous path now i sent this to charlie and charlie was like you're not going to read that out but i'm going to read it out man so i'll read the question first then i'm going to read ren's response these are not my words these are words that were printed in rap pages in 1994. So the question is, even when you're on some other shit about killing bitches or fuck everybody and me too, I didn't really care. This is the interviewer's question because I basically viewed you as being on a path, a path that a large part of your core audience, core audience would be able to go on with you, a journey to consciousness. But women weren't trying to hear that. They were mad at people from Compton about that derogatory name thing. So he's talking about the word bitch which was a big thing back in the day with NWA using it. And I will reference it later. There was actually an E-True Hollywood story 
around NWE's use of that word. Um, and MC Light is quoted in it, so I'll talk about that in a second, but I just want to read Ren's response to that, that, that question. <sighs> he says, you talking about the girls? Yeah, I got a song on my album talking about the girls. He's got a lot of them, but anyway. The songs that I make about girls, especially the ones that I call bitches, are about what I see. I've got an understanding about them, and I try to talk to some, but their attitude stays the same. I'm the type of person that if I see you for what you are, I'm going to talk about you and what you are. If you're a bitch, you're going to get talked about. If you're a girl and you're out just trying to get a dude, then you're a bitch. If you're out trying to get a ride in a car, you're a bitch. If you're out fucking everybody, you're a bitch. What else can they label themselves? If I'm hurting people's feelings, that's too bad. Like I said earlier, I've got a song on this new album all about him. He continues. He continued. For some reason, he decided he would continue. I don't know why somebody would get offended unless they thought I was talking about them. How could I call every female a bitch when I'm from my mother, when I have a sister, when I have an auntie and a grandmother? I'm not calling them bitches because they're not. When they hear my records, they don't get offended because they know it's not them. Why get offended if what I'm describing on the record isn't you? Like Dr. Khaled said, I'm not sure who that is. I should have researched that. This is a... I don't even want to read this out, bro, Bond. If you throw <laughs> if you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, the one that hollers is the one that got hit. Fam, bro, what is this, bro? Like, I don't even. I don't know. I said I'd mention that E True Hollywood story. MC Light said this: with NWA's walk into hip hop, calling women bitches in that way, it changed the game. They broke the word out. So then you know it just didn't stop. So naturally, we have MC Ren stumbling to the aid of NWA for the cause. In an interview referenced in the E! True Hollywood Story episode, Ren states, we didn't make the word, we're just using it. And that's exactly the kind of ridiculously obtuse answer I'd expect from MC Ren. And that pretty much concludes my thoughts on his debut album and his career in general, actually. Um, I will continue, but... Bro, that interview, I, I was when I read it, I was a little bit uh, in an altered state of consciousness and I was a little bit paranoid and I sent it. To, I didn't even want to send it to Charlie. I'm like, this is just, I, I don't think this should exist. I don't want to continue, but it has to. Like, as he said in his own interview, he's like, if I think something about you, I'm going to say it. And I don't, know, I don't know what to say about that. It's horrible. Yeah, so uh, I think the Khalid he's mentioning is uh, Khalid Abdul Muhammad, who uh, does turn up in the, I think it's the second album, yep, second album, which we can jump into if you like, uh, just to move things along. Yeah. Um, uh, the Villain in Black uh, on track, ele- track 10 is uh, Muhammad Speaks and uh, features Khalid Muhammad. So that's probably uh, who he's mentioning and who he's, uh, yeah, who he's referencing. Uh, for those who don't know, <coughs> uh, Khalid Muhammad was uh, basically a, a very prominent figure in Nation of Islam, uh, and also was actually a, uh, I think, a president or uh, just I don't know, national chairman. That's the that's the term here that's said here of the uh, new Black Panther Party. Um, for those that didn't know, there was a Black Panther Party after the Black Panther Party. Uh, it started in uh, uh, Dallas, Texas in 89. And uh, yeah, he was basically national chairman of them until uh, his death in 2001. 
Um, but basically, yeah, he was just a really prominent figure of uh, just uh, in the Nation of Islam. He was under the leadership of Elijah Muhammad. He changed his name to Harold X and then Malik Rushadin and then uh, actually became Farrakh Khan's protege, apparently. Um, so there's that. And uh, yeah, there's a fun... Basically, he advocated for black independence and also um, uh, had stated a personal practice, according to this Wikipedia, uh, of uh, anti-miscegenation. Uh, that was from... Uh, oh, wow, from Louis Theroux from 1999. Yeah, big up Louis Theroux. Fucking hell, he's been doing it for a time. Fuck. Wild. Um, yeah, big up Louis Theroux. Uh, but yeah, so anti-miscegenation, for those who don't know, basically basically segregation, right? Like, you know, criminalizing in, in, interracial marriage and sex between races etc etc um so that's Khalid Mohammed if uh, if if uh, anyone wanted to know that um uh, but yeah he uh, turns up briefly in uh, his Ren second album Villain in Black uh which again has really good production uh, shout to Cold 187 um uh, for most of that um I'm very I was very very confused about the track um, and he mentioned it several times in the album of Bitch Made Nigger Killer, which I feel like needs to have some, needs some grammar work there. You know, like, it sounds to me, when you're saying that, it, <laughs> when he says that, it yeah. sounds like I'm Bitch Made yeah. Nigger Killer. Like, it, it's, it doesn't, it, there needs to be some I grammar there. I don't know if, about. I don't know if it, yeah, like, you know what I, I mean? Like, I don't know if he needs yeah. a comma. A comma yes. in there, maybe a semicolon. Yeah, like a semicolon, maybe. Yeah, something, something's needed <laughs> in in that particular yeah, a comma, uh, set of words. Yeah, yeah, just just need just need to need something to clarify there, because you know I can I'm I'm listening to it and I'm just like, why are you calling yourself bitch made? Um, it's just yeah. Anyway, I'm half joking, but I'm dead serious. <laughs> it's just it's like is is very confusing. Um, you know. A little um, less grating, I will say. Um, this particular album, uh, I think, past, I kind of, I kind of mentally kind of tuned out after maybe, uh, maybe after I go, I don't give a damn. Um, personally, uh, the rest of it is pretty solid. I can't really complain too much, apart from usual stuff that we've already mentioned. Um, but you know, I I don't mind stuff like Mad Scientist, which is um, pretty solid. You know, just general quote unquote gangster rap track is pretty is, is pretty clean on my side. Uh, you know, uh, Dark Side is where I'm coming from all alone. Strangling niggas is faking on the microphone because I've been around and I'm gonna be around again. Who is it? A black nigga they call Ren, which he does mention in the first album, I think, as well, which is uh, again. Um, an offshoot of NWAisms, which I really appreciate. I like the repetition that people use that they use um, when it comes to sampling and also lyrically. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, a couple of features that kind of just go by the wayside for me. Um, <laughs> it was a, I think it was a good line in the Mad Scientist. I just, uh, yeah, let me head back on it right quick. Oh yeah, <laughs> the shit got to get back. It's time to MC. Too many nigga niggas ain't sure like I'll be. I'll be sure it's great. So I, like, I like that. Um, but yeah, R and B vocalist for those who don't know how be I'll be sure is. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's. I don't mind Ren when he goes down this kind of similar to something like Mad Scientist. You get it in uh, Life from Compton Saturday Night. Uh, keep it real. Uh, 
I don't give a damn. It's, it's this kind of, it's the braggadocio rap that, you know, is a very big pillar um, of, you know, hip-hop in general and is a big route for a lot of people of just dick swinging. Um, I like how Ren does it, where he does it in a case of, you know, being the villain and embracing that aspect and embracing that persona very well, where he goes into uh, these... You know, just lyrical onslaughts of like, I'm, I'm, I'm killing the next rapper. Da, 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 da. You know, I like it. It's dingy. Uh, it's dark. It goes with the production. I like it on that front. Um, it's <laughs> the the, you know, the, the I don't. There's not much. I think maybe on Bring It On, if I remember correctly. Just gonna check right quick. But uh, you know, it doesn't really get into. Uh, doesn't get into much past that. It's kind of a little bit. Uh, I mean, you could say one note when it comes to the subject matter, um, but, you know, uh, okay, here you go. So, yeah, bring it on, kind of, uh, the last track, uh, another uh, Khalid Muhammad uh, uh, starter uh, to kick things off, and, uh, you know, he, he says he says it again, bitch. This <laughs> just needs to be a comment in there somehow, I don't know. But... You know, niggas fuck the niggas fuck the police, the white one, the black one, the Mexican, the Japanese can all suck these. It's it's you know, obviously the reference to fuck the police, but it's also got this just kind of, you know, this very fuck everybody kind of essence. because uh, and he go he carries on, cause how the in the fuck you serve this government? They'll be plotting to kill niggas, they wanna steal niggas. Here we are today, thirty, forty million strong, handkerchief headed niggas saying ain't shit wrong. There's some good commentary in there for me personally, right? It's looking at the media, it's looking at America and, you know, kind of just uh, uh, what African-Americans go through. Um, it's, you know, there's some, there's some, there's actually a couple of gems in here for me personally. Um, so I can't read, and f- the funny thing is, is that it's, it's got fucking, uh, fucking two stars on the LA Times, three, three out of five on the source. It's very interesting how um, the for shock of the hour, excuse me, shock of the hour was kind of considered a you know a critical hit um, in places. Um, you know, three out of four for LA Times on uh, eight out of ten on rap reviews. Um, there was a there was a really uh, scathing critique from uh, Robert Christgau, uh, who. Uh, who uh, called the first album uh, on one side he brutalizes people especially by no means exclusively black women then to cover his tracks he turns around and spouts the most ignorant racist average centric bullshit yet to hit the charts very incendiary there um but yeah i don't mind the villain blacks not too bad for me um it's he again apparently scraps uh all the material um he recorded apparently with dj train and then brought on uh, Dr. Jam and Cold 187 uh, for this one. So yeah, uh, pff, we'll be very interested. We'll be very interested into what he had beforehand. I don't know whether it would have been too much different, but you know, as relatively, I put this in bold. Relatively harmless um, in terms of uh, uh, what Ren ha- talked about, especially in the first album. Because yeah, that, that yeah, that was that's yeah. That so it went 31 on the Billboard 200, which is solid. I'm going to read a section from this 2022 review from uh, Steve Juan because I think it highlights the issue Ren faces as a solo MC. So 
Steve writes, this singular obsession with being real and not bitch-made becomes an albatross around Ren's neck. He tries to change his subject with songs like I Don't Give a Damn, but betrays himself by giving more than a damn in the song's lyrics. Fuck the president and his red, white, and blue. Fuck the Grammy show and your and your mummy. Um, are all over proof that you need that he gives way too many fucks. Lorenzo gives more dams than Hoover. <laughs> it's a bit interesting. <laughs> Despite his claims to the contrary, <laughs> he can't let shit no, no, go. That's, that's correct. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So this, I feel like this is the problem with Ren's music. He he seems confused. Cool. He speaks in interviews about seeking to pull others into a, a higher power and a more righteous path, but on Wax he seems intent on harming as many people as possible. And it's interesting how he yeah, reflects no, it's, on. Yeah, it's it's in, it's inherently contradictory. Yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not get there. Yeah, can't that's that's I I feel that way without saying that clearly. Yeah, you know as whatever teachings that nation of islam give i am not sh- i am not uh you know uh too steeped into that um or all the islamic teachings in general as a religion uh as a religious institution but um you know it it, it, it <laughs> i don't know if it fits uh with uh with the contradictory nature that he puts to the music so yeah no uh, that's that goes out so well i think this quote might I don't know, not maybe not clear it up, but like it gives you a little bit more history into his uh, conversion into his new faith. Now, an interviewer from that same rap pages interview that I keep referencing, he asked Ren, it's from 94, he asked Ren why he sought out this more righteous path, if he's trying to absolve himself for past sins or if he's trying to run away from something. And Ren responds, after the EP died out, I wasn't doing nothing. Reading this book, training had given me, had me looking at things from a different perspective. Not exactly the way thing, I see things now, but enough to be curious and want a better understanding. I used to think I was all that with the records and everything. Then I began to realize I really didn't have much of anything. I could pay my bills, but once I started reading, I realized that the devil owns all of this. Plus, I was falling out with Easy and the company, so I was like, let me get into this. At one time, I was so deep into my studies, I didn't want to do any more records. While I was studying, I felt there was no kind of situation that could get me down. Nothing that the devil could do to you after you have knowledge of self could interfere with your peace with God. You realize there's something bigger than all of this, and he's backing you. So, you know, artists really do struggle to separate themselves from something as huge as NWA. You know, I think Dre and Cube got off easy in a sense because Cube left at the height of the group ensuring their pinnacle would always be associated with his departure. He couldn't have known this ahead of time, but in hindsight, it's just clear. Dre was a genius. He was never going to fail. Easy, he was easy. He was, you know, he was always going to find somewhere to go and someone was always going to back his talent. MC Ren was the one in the biggest predicament and Cube gets all the credit for the lyrics on the first album because the second album wasn't as good. So people kind of blame the fact that they didn't have Cube's pen. They only had Ren's pen. And sadly, his pen has proven to be his downfall in his own solo career. You know, this album was savaged by critics at the time. Um, the source giving it three stars is a low. That's a low thing. You know, especially because they were doing interviews with him, and you know, he was part of the promotional cycle in the source. L.A. Times merely noted Ren's lack of lyrical punch, and and the retrospective reviews, like the one I read from above, just they note this one-dimensional angle to the album, which is at odds with the messaging around the you know the new path that he was on 
And when NWA came out, they were incendiary for a very valid reason. They wanted to challenge conventional thought and they needed a fuckload of attention to do that on a large scale. And Easy e told the LA Times back in 1989 they had no intention of putting women down. Ice Cube in another LA Times interview from 89 said the word bitch may be shocking and he implies that's why they use it because it is shocking. And it became a huge part of Dr. Dre's aesthetic, Acosta Chronic, and then 2001. But, you know, that message got lost behind the insane production and the arrival of Snoop and just how otherworldly and so far ahead of the time that album actually sounded. And, you know, Cube was a proven battle MC who exuded a sense of supreme power and he became famous for becoming even more famous than the most famous group in the world at the time, which is, you know, that's an effort and an achievement in itself. So Dre and Cube had carved their identities wholly separate from NWA. Dre brought together everyone for his debut album and proved how brilliant of a curator and collaborator he was. And Cube went in the opposite direction. He set out on his own and earned accolades for that. But Rain kind of got lost. And, you know, he tried doing things entirely on his own, but it didn't really work. He tries on the next album to bring in a group of iconic guests. That didn't really work. Um, the mainstream was just sliding away for Ren uh, by the next album. But, like, it's very interesting just how he views his own content, you know. And, and that's what we're about to talk to with Ruthless for Life. He did a few interviews around this album, and I'll talk about it when I talk about it. But, like, the reason I went down that path was I just I wanted to find something in this album that was interesting because uh, I just didn't enjoy it and I didn't really find anything except what that reviewer said, Steve Ryan. He's just, he really nailed it. And I didn't really even realize it until he, you know, said it in an interview and then I re-listened to the album or said it in the review and he's just like, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Ren says one thing and then does the other thing and it's like, yeah, that, that does. Yeah, that's why I didn't enjoy that album. So yeah, well, then we get Ruthless, Ruthless for Life, his, his third studio album. Yeah, and... Uh... It goes off the back of uh, the death of Easy, um, hence the uh, first track, Ruthless for Life, which is literally just a straight-up dedication. Um, and, you know, you have uh, 8-Boy and MJG on Who in the Fuck, Ice Cube on Coming After You, Snoop Dogg on So What You Want, um, which obviously big names, especially in 98, very notable uh, to have them on this uh, record. Uh, but after Ruthless for Life and maybe Who in the Fuck, I kind of just, uh, I don't know, just, just, it was just, again, the same kind of issues here. Uh, Must Be High is just right back to Shock of the Hour level misogyny. Uh, just, and, and it's kind of just a, I don't know, for that one in particular, there was kind of just this, um, uh, just just finger wagging, uh, con- uh, condescending nature to it. It's just like... Uh, I don't know. That is 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 very yeah, just just very condescending and just very like uh, <laughs> just very just not even just straight up shitting on somebody. It's just like uh, I mean, let me let me look up the lyrics. Why not? Like while I'm talking, but it's just it, I don't know. It's just the the, the album just kind of goes that down the route of kind of just. Having the having the notable features and having that first track, which was really uh, you know really good. I like the track itself; it's really solid for me. Um, but you know, and shout out to Lt Hutton on a couple of these as well. Um, yeah, my, majority of them, but there's other uh, there's a few other names uh, sprinkled in as well in the production. I will say the production took a dip uh, compared to the compared to the first two albums. I will say that. 
Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, here on Must Be High, it's just so, I don't know, so not not snippy, but just yeah, like finger waggy, right? I hear you ho punk bitches talking shit, trying to have some, uh, trying to have some say. Telling another hose they wouldn't give me no time of day. Still live with they mummy. Uh, she babysitting while you fucking getting county checks and money from the niggas that you be dick sucking. Like, why are you bothering? Why, why are you? Why are you in people's lives? <laughs> so why, why do you care? Like, focus on yourself. You know what I mean? That's kind of where. That's kind of the, I guess the 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 through line here, right? Especially with these three albums, where it's just like, why 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 are women just so? Why are you so irritated? <laughs> you know what I mean, like, are they just they just constantly scamming you? Uh, you just did you just get hurt one time? Like, it's just really. Uh, vindictive, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Like, it's just a vindictiveness to this, and at this point, it's just getting very. It's, it's getting a bit. It's well, it was it was shocking at first, and now it's just tiresome. Where it's just like, really, you're still doing this. You're, st- you're still going about like just, uh, just shitting on women for being on the streets. Like you know, it is what it is. Like move on. It, 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 do they affect you? Do these women affect you in your life? Like, are you? you you fucking them? No? Alright, cool. Dude, why does it matter? Leave them the fuck alone, bro. Like, just leave like, them alone. Yeah, just, you know? Stop like, talking honestly, about this them. Is, this, is, this is actually... The, this is like the musical equivalent of, um, of like, being on social media and seeing shit that, hey, you might have a worthy opinion on, but you know what? Just keep it moving. Don't care. <laughs> I, just, I just don't care about whoever, whoever the subject is or whatever the subject is. I just don't give a fuck, and I'm just gonna keep my life moving. It's, and this is like the song version of doing the complete opposite, where you just have to comment on women, uh, these women doing stuff. It's uh, it's just so, and that, and that's kind of what's I, I guess what's missing in Ren for most of his uh, for for his discography and his entire artistry. Where you know if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot at people and uh, well. <laughs> figuratively right and just be so uh be so critical of uh you know 50 percent of the population um and then and then threaten the other 50 percent uh with uh with death um then i feel like there's some introspection that needs to be sprinkled in and uh he doesn't do that (laughs) He he doesn't do that um, for uh, for this album and for the past uh, and for the for three albums beforehand, it just yeah. It kind of, after after this one, it just gets very, just um, yeah. There's just uh, and because the production dips for me, then there's kind of just no reason to uh to tune in at this point. Yeah, I mean that's that's the same for me. Uh, this one went a hun- number one hundred on the Billboard two hundred. It was Ren's personal dedication to Easy E, whom he mentions on the album. Um, it's pretty hard to drum up enthusiasm for this album. He just continues the same kind of content. It's more cohesive, I will admit. Um, it feels a bit more menacing than his previous two albums. I guess by this point, you just accept this is what Ren says. And it was a tough listen, I'm not going to lie. Snoop, RBX, Cube, 8Ball, MJG. Um, it's nice to hear some solid features on a Ren album. Um, but you know he was one-dimensional writer and MC who lost impact once the initial shock value of his music wore off, and every subsequent project has fallen further down the chart. Started at number twelve, then twenty-two, thirty-one, one hundred, and then eventually off the charts completely. To his credit, he did want Ruthless for Life to be like this, 
he told MTV, I wanted Ruthless for Life to have like the old feel, like the old records, but I wanted to update it. I already knew that I didn't want to come talking about no money or none of that shit like everybody else. I decided to make something street, just the same shit, but updated with tight lyrics. Now he claims, again, that he couldn't switch up on his fans. He had to keep his sound true to the sound that they love. But by this point, the fans he was servicing by constantly rehashing the NWA sound were pretty small in number. You know, it was it was diminishing. And it's another example of his words not really making sense with his actions and even his own words. Because later in the same interview, he states, anybody can curse on a record, but to make that shit and twist it and flip it, you've got to put something in it. I wanted it to be different because everyone out here is doing the same thing. I guess that's what he was saying. He did say like everyone's talking about money. He doesn't want to talk about money. But yeah, I don't know, man. This is not different. It's not different really at all to anything that he was dropping. So, you know, maybe he's saying he's being different to everyone else in the game, which would make sense because no one was really flying the flag this hard for that sound. Like no one was like, I don't know, maybe there were. Maybe I've Obviously, I've not listened to every single album that came out, but nothing that we've ever enc- encountered on this retrospective was still sounding so 1988 straight out of Compton you know, 1992 NWA as Ren was in his solo career. Um, so yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. But yet his next album, Reincarnated. And there was a gap. There was a big gap. This came out in what, 08, 09. So yeah, it was a massive gap. Uh, you said it wrong. It's Ren Incarnated, which oh, I literally Ren. just gathered a couple hours beforehand. Ren Incarnated, like, I, I, that's my bad. I, I, I copied it. I copied and pasted it into the into the uh, in the description, and I was and it was like it was like doing the Red Google line. I was like, what's going on? It's like Reincarnated. I was like, oh, Ren Incarnated. Oh, I think we did there. Um, unfortunately, that's like the best thing about this. <laughs> it's just the wordplay for the for the album title. Um, everything else is just uh, I I don't know, man. I, I just I there was nothing to really get energized about here. Um, his his voice got extremely deeper, uh, which I thought would be kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I've, funny enough, I feel like there was just um, there was just like a lost. It was a bit toothless, right? Uh, where. You know, we we were kind of uh, if we were saying anything throughout the throughout this episode, is that he definitely had teeth, and he was definitely bearing them for a lot of the time, um, for better or worse. Uh, but I was just listening to this one, and I was just, I was just, I was just, I was just, oh, crazy! It was just, you know, it was just very, it was just very mid, to be honest. Uh, and kind of disappointed on that front. Uh, but yeah, you go. Oh, here's one. Here's one on West Coast in right. Uh, <laughs> blow that good shit next to the ocean. Darth Ren, hip hop striking back. It's, I don't need Star Wars. I don't need Star Wars bars here. It's just it's not what I'm here for. Um, but yeah, it's just um, I don't know. It's just it it, it goes quickly, I guess. Like the runtime ain't too long. I think it's like under forty minutes. Uh, it's only ten tracks. Uh, the the production is kind of just that that. In that West Coast era in the 2000s where West Coast just, you couldn't really say, describe what it was, right? I don't, I, I, I don't, it's not, it's not it wasn't G-Funk anymore, like, for fucking sure. Um, but it just had this very, uh, 
homogenous, I guess is the word, homogenous kind of essence to it. Um, production and lyrical is just uh, it kind of just had this, yeah, just it was just there. Um, I couldn't really find much to go back to, if any. <laughs> it was very honestly toothless is probably the best word for it. Is just uh, yeah, there was no there was no bite to it. There was no aggro to it. He clearly throughout those eleven years or whatever it was or nine or nine years, uh, he clearly mellowed out. Um, and, and, you know, just got his shit together, I guess, um, because, you know, just a lot of, a lot of it just took a dive and, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I would have been fired not, not spinning this, um, you know, it's just, it's just there if you, if, you know, feel free if you want to go listen, but, uh, yeah, I don't know about it. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same. I, um. I can't shake the feeling that Ren took the wrong lesson from NWA, or rather he carried forth the wrong lesson. Like, NWA employed shock tactics to send a message, but the message was the lesson, not the delivery method. But Ren seemed to think he should just drop shock rap for the rest of his career. Like, he even said in the interview I quoted at the start, the sexual violence on NWA's second interview, second interview, second album, was wholly intentional in order to piss off everyone who criticized it on the first album. And I think that's fine. You know, I, I don't like the second album very much because of this reason. I think that's why it fell away from the first and that and how badly they miss Cube. But then Red dedicated the entire 90s to it and it got to the stage where his fifth album reincarnated, Ren incarnated, sorry, my apologies to MC Ren, Ren incarnated. According to Wikipedia, it sold 650 di- digital downloads in its first week. 650 copies now that entry has citation needed next to it but to me that's telling enough even if the info is false someone went in there to try and explain just how scarce this album was when it dropped and just how few people cared anymore and people did listen you know the album has hundreds of thousands of streams on spotify but he had the ear of the world and i don't know man like it was either he was incapable of switching his content up enough to keep that ear or he really just chose every single time to drop another album with the same lyrical content with rapidly diminishing returns. Do you know what I mean? Like either he wasn't capable of changing or he was capable of changing. He just chose not to. Either way, I, yeah, I don't know if, if the second one is true because that's what he seems to allude to in interviews that he doesn't want to change because he wants, doesn't want to like stop servicing the NWA fans. And maybe that's the ultimate expression of the fact that he was broken after nwa broke up and and that was where he wanted to you know dedicate himself to and the whole thing just dissolved within four years or five years and so maybe he felt like he owed the fans because you know that was always what he wanted to do and maybe he was just doing what he really wanted to do during the 90s maybe you know and i don't know it's it's hard to get him to pin him down for an interview that'd be a very interesting question to ask him but yeah, man, I, I don't like his solo career at all. I didn't enjoy any of these albums. Um, the first one I listened to once, and I will never listen to it again. I listened to them more once, but yeah, I didn't. This might be the first ever retrospective we've done where I didn't enjoy a single solo album. I just didn't. Wow. First first time. There you go. And I'm trying to think of like, <laughs> I'm trying to think about this. I'm just like, really? That's the first? Uh, but yeah. Interesting. It's the the wild thing is is that I've I, I you know there there's there's been plenty of people in not even just music but you know uh film or TV or whatever where 
you know, when they're in a collective or in a just a group of people, they fucking shine in it. Like I listen, you know, I I guessed up and I have been guessing up for years, you know, quite on the set. Uh, appetite for destruction. Like just when when Ren is on the pen for an NWA track, I'm here for it. Is so it, it always it always knocks out the park for me. And the far cry from the, from that to the solo albums is very very just uh, is a, is a very fascinating case study. Um, until you listen to the solo albums, because the solo albums are just so ah just. It's just so consistently uh, uh, refusing to, uh, I guess, evolve on that front. And if he considered himself to do so, uh, it wasn't for the better. Um, You know, I feel the production probably carried the first two albums for me. um, Because sure as shit, the lyrics didn't. And um, after that, it just kind of just with the production went and then so did Ren to be honest and uh you know Ren incarnated just like I said was just toothless and you know I listened to the EP Osiris I think it was last year or whatever and I remember you know thinking it was all right it was calm <laughs> solid right but nothing mind-blowing and uh you know that's just unfortunate um that I guess uh and and obviously the religious element kind of just adds to the confusion of just okay so you're about this but you be are really flying the flag for just what NWA uh not even was but like represented I guess or even or even what I feel like the solo albums right especially the first two was like what white people thought NWA was NWA had express yourself okay it wasn't it, it I don't think it was that hardcore the shock of the hour is hardcore in terms of just what is said on that record. It's just fucking wild to me, right? Um, and sure, there are plenty of moments throughout the out throughout the NWAs, throughout the Easy E albums, right? There's some stuff there that you're just like, oh, whoa, okay, right? And but it's not as consistent as the uh, as the first two albums, especially on MC Ren solo. So I'm just wondering. I feel he kind of just. Uh, embraced it but embraced it too much where it kind of just felt like i don't know he didn't need to go that deep into it or maybe i'm just um i don't know being uh having some sort of half glass full uh, look at this and maybe that's just what he was about and that's it this is a sim at the end of the day and whatever and maybe quiet on the set for example because compared to you know <laughs> compared to uh, You Wanna Fucker, is very, very light. Um, maybe that was just him uh, doing a solid or just being part of the group, right? Or just being a team player. Uh, because, yeah, when he went out solo, he went out fucking swinging anything and everything he could get his hands on. And, uh, you know, again, for better or worse, um, it's, it's there. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll leave it there. Hope <coughs> to a lighter night. Oppenheimer, what's your review? Well, firstly, I was incredibly sleep deprived, and then this pe- the, you went the- into a three-hour film sleep deprived. Well, I had nothing. Sleep, in it. I hadn't slept. Asleep, didn't I had nothing else to do. I had to go and you do something asleep. with my life. You fell so when did you feel asleep? Say, when did you fall asleep? 
I didn't fall asleep. I did not fall asleep. You didn't fall asleep. Okay. I just right. struggled to follow it because, and in my defense, there were people behind us talking. There were people in front of us talking. I'm like, bro, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to concentrate on this goddamn movie. I can't even, I can't think straight. What's going on? Why is it? Because ju- it kept jumping around in time. Like, stop jumping around in time. Stop introducing new characters. Who's this person? Why do they say, like, every piece of dialogue was important. But I fell back on the old standard. This is the old standard. Whenever anyone asks me during a TV show or in a movie, what does that mean? I say to them, they make TV shows and movies for fucking morons. Wait till the end. I promise you they'll explain the whole thing. No one wants to Thank get to you. The, I know. No one wants to My get to the end of a movie. So yeah, this no one wants to off. get to the end of like, a movie. They're gonna explain it at some point. Sit down for the ride. You wait. Know what I mean? They're not yep. like, wait, wait. <laughs> I promise you, there's no genre of people who wanna go to a movie and watch a TV show and be confused at the end. You don't wanna leave the theatre going I have no idea what just happened, but that was fucking amazing. No, that's not what you want to do. So I waited until the end, and then they just explained it all. So that was good. It was good in the fact that finally a big-budget American movie talked about the fact that they committed genocide in Japan. It's like, can you guys just, like, why do people not talk about that more often? And every time I talk to people about it, they're like, it's complicated. You know, they ended the war by doing that. And in the movie, you know, Oppenheimer's like, well, the war was going to end anyway. We didn't really even need to drop this bomb. So I found it pretty fascinating. Um, I like, is it Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy? It's Cillian, right? Killian. Cillian. So I saw someone post the other day that it was is a K. I'm like, I don't think it's... A... it's no, it's Killian. It's Killian. It is Killian. Okay, that's my bad. Yeah, Irish, bro. Irish, yeah, Irish names, bro. Like honestly, don't don't get me started on Irish names. Okay, no, I no disrespect to our Irish Irish friends, but yeah, Killian Murphy, I adore him, I really (laughs) do, and I thought he nailed it. I thought he absolutely fucking. I thought every actor was an actress was incredible in the movie. I thought it was very well done. Um, it reminded me of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy a little bit where it was just kind of like jumped around and there were all these side plots, but they were all kind of being funneled into the final, you know, thing. Um, and it was fascinating, you know, it was fascinating that they made a movie and I was actually, I always love historical movies where I'm still on the edge of my seat. Like I know exactly what happens, but yeah, it was, it was really entertaining. I enjoyed it immensely. I wouldn't say it's like an incredible movie or one of the greatest movies. I think it got a lot of fucking marketing push behind it and a lot of people talking about it. And yeah, I think it's, it's solid. It's well worth a watch. Well worth a watch. Have you seen it, Charlie? Yeah, I saw it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think like the week after it dropped. And um, yeah, I think my overall thoughts towards it are pretty solid at this point where um, I, after the, after the, you know, the Trinity test, I feel like that, that half of the film afterwards, um, I don't know, it felt like it shouldn't have been Nolan directing, I guess, um, in terms of just how it was constructed. It felt more like a... Fin- it, honestly, bro, it felt like The Social Network Yeah. Um, at times, where I was just like, David Fincher needs to be on this right now. Like, because when, when they were doing the... You know, there was a lot of Nolanisms in the beginning, right? The constant, you know, when he closes his eyes and he sees, like, you know, right? Proper Nolan. Love it. Here for that, right? And then, you know, the whole, just that 10 minutes, that 10 minutes of them just, you know, lifting the bomb up, you know, putting the so taking the stickers off, building it, putting the ting in, and then, like, you know, the glasses and everyone just getting set up, and then just that, that, that those two minutes of just the blinding light, and then you don't, you don't get noise, you just hear him breathing for, like, two yeah. minutes, and then you're just like, 
<laughs> they yeah. just go, and it's like, well, fuck, right? Crazy. Here for Genius. that. That tension was fucking sick, right? And then, and then you obviously, you know, now that that's done, you kind of just have to, and then it just turns into like politics. <laughs> it just turns into the West Wing, right? <laughs> In some ways, right? Um, and, you know, I love, uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. is my MVP for this film. Um, I think he just fucking nailed that. Uh, nailed that role. Oh, he always, yeah. I think it was very different. I think it was very different for him on that front as well. I feel like um, there was a decent challenge for him in there. Uh, obviously, Killian Murphy, um, I think, I'll, I really want to want to know how much like percentage of screen time he got because it felt like a lot. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was all on over the camera it. a lot. Very, very frequently. Um, I like the, I like the, uh, the, the, the bit, the, the, Nicest, the best piece of trivia I, I heard um, before the film even came out was like all the extras were actual scientists. Um, so it kind of gave them that extra pressure of like actually being right. Um, I do like after the fact of the film dropping that there was a lot of commentary on just, you know, I mean, in some ways revisionist history. Um, but, you know, just having that dialogue about nuclear weapons and... Um, and, you know, should have been dropped, should have not have been, and people having that argument, um, even though, like you said, Oppenheimer himself said, you know, we would have, and it's fact, um, you know, go look up, uh, there's a there's a good video, I think it's like two and a half hours long, but it's very worth it if you actually want to, like, a really well-researched um, video on, especially the timeline of, you know, the before and after of the bombs dropping. Um, it's a video by Sean that you just type up Sean in uh, YouTube and just type up like, you know, Hiroshima or Nagasaki and you're going to find it. It's right there. Um, it's very long, but it's so good. It's so much good commentary. Um, he lays it all out in a very simple way where it's just like a calendar. It has like meetings that, you know, like Potsdam, which they reference in the film. Um, it's It's just really good, really fucking good video. Um, and he, you know, he comes, he comes away from that by saying that, you know, that, that what, what Harry Truman wanted, um, big up Gary Oldman, by the way, I didn't even know that was Gary Oldman in, in uh, doing that role. Um, but Harry S. Truman wanted just unconditional surrender. That was the only, that was kind of the, uh, the, 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 the sticking point throughout, throughout the Japanese, well, the Imperial Japanese and the US, right? The Japanese were pretty much ready. They were, they were done. Like they were done ski. But um, and, and nobody wanted the in, uh, the king to be killed. Uh, Hirohito. They didn't. Nobody wanted to be killed. Um, but there was so much mixed messaging and just like bad communication that he just went and fucking did it. And there was and like you know like like uh, like Oppenheimer said um, in real life. Uh, the, the 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 job was done. <laughs> like the job was done. There was no need to do it. Um, and that, uh, very, uh, <laughs> a bit that made me and my pops, like, just chuckle in just how in- incredulous, uh, we were about the, about the quote, but, um, that dude, who, where they were having that conversation about dropping it, um, and he was like, um, we have these locations, but not this one, me and my wife had a really good holiday there, and it was just like, oh my god, why, this is so annoying, like, shit like that, just, just, just ugh. If that quote is real, like that's fucking nuts. Um, but yeah, is I really, I've, I've, I've actually kind of enjoyed the, the commentary around this film and just reigniting this commentary because I feel like it is a good conversation. Um, it's a good er- ethical and a good moral conversation to have. Um, now and again, um, while we don't, 
um, have, you know, nuclear tests anymore. Um, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, just run, uh, going, going under the table and all that shit in schools or whatever. I mean, I never did it, but I know they did it in America. I know, and I know they don't do any more. But um, even though that's not the case anymore, and people have kind of just, you know, there's plenty of other things, plenty of other Pandora's boxes that we've opened so far um, in the recent years that are kind of more threatening than nuking somebody. Because I, I firmly believe nobody will nuke anybody. Because why the fuck would anyone do that at this point? You know what I mean? So it's like you're basically just saying, oh yeah, let's end the world. Yeah, let's do that. Yes, like nobody's gonna do that. Nobody's that stupid. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. Knock on fucking wood. Knock on, knock on all the wood. Hey Amen. Um, I watched but... Mission Impossible the other day, and I tell you, as long <laughs> as he's out there, as long as Ethan Hunt is out there, the world will never get nuked. As long, yeah, so as long as Ethan Hunt, bro. Oh, I love that Hunt. documentary series. It's great. Yeah. Man. But don't I, you think? I, I, I love I, honestly, bro. I love Mission Impossible too, like so much. Like after I think like Rogue Nation, it just kept. He just keeps getting good. I don't. I don't know. Like I'm not one for blockbuster films and all that shit, but. I don't know. Something about Mission Impossible that just keeps getting it, just keeps getting the job done for me, man. Just you know, not like greatest film ever or anything. Just a really good fucking watch. Good action, good characters. It's it's good music, good set pieces. Like really good. Oh, fun fact. Um, in the airport of the new Mission Impossible, it's actually Birmingham New Street, which is very hilarious. Um, I didn't actually clock that. Um, Ryan had to t- uh, Ryan had to tell me. Um, after the fact, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very incredibly funny that they literally filmed uh, one of the main uh, one of the main uh, plot points of the film in fucking Birmingham. Just makes me laugh of how it was supposed to be in Dubai or something. It's just Birmingham. Great, absolutely outstanding. Oh, Barry, I'm really watching. Good. But anyway, I'm rewatching Piggy Blinders at the moment. So yeah, man. But in the I'm end, sure. in the end, in Oppenheimer, I mean, his whole point was. If we create this, yeah. it will deter other people from because now you know mutually assured destruction. Maybe he was right. Maybe maybe that's what has ended up happening because the arms race has certainly happened. The Cold War has happened. Everyone is nuclearly capable. You know, there are plenty of countries in the world capable of ending the world at this point, but they choose not to. So you know, maybe in the end, that quote he said to Einstein at the end, where he's like, "I think we did, you know, in, ignite the entire atmosphere." Well, maybe the opposite happened. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, that, in that case, yeah, definitely, definitely correct, but not in the, but that's the thing, right? It, w- it wasn't in the way he was thinking. No, no. It wasn't in the way of, like, the test actually burning the atmosphere, which um, I did watch a video, I forget whether it was, like, on Vanity Fair or Wired or just, you know, one of the uh, publications that have a decent YouTube channel and just do decent YouTube stuff, um, but they had, like, a, they had a, I'm just going to say smart dude, because I forget the particular job he had but um yeah he was he was breaking it down and uh if you wanted to burn the atmosphere you'd really have to put some effort into it um so you know i think we're good on that front um but i think it's like one in 30 million or 300 million there's a three in there so so take your take 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 with a pinch of salt but um yeah just um yeah he was right but in a completely different way right He, he didn't scorch the earth literally but um he started off that chain reaction of, uh, you know, paranoia and uh, just people not trusting, no nation trusting at all anymore. Well, not there ever was. There's always nations that don't trust each other and empires that don't trust each other. We are human after all. We are dumb in that front. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it was a very poignant phrase, I guess, uh, because 
that chain reaction is you know that that can describe a lot of things that happened since um and uh since i'm recommending youtube videos uh shout out to emp lemon uh, who did a really good video on Pandora's box and the concept of Pandora's box, and he basically likened it to you know a lot of the a lot of shit that we have, right? AI, for example, is that a Pandora's box we just opened? Probably <laughs> nuclear war, obviously, right? Um, and other things, environment, a lot of a lot of ways, uh, a lot of his Pandora's boxes, um, which is very fascinating. So yeah, man, enjoyed the film for what it was. I don't, I still think Inception's the best known in film. Uh, fight me oh, on that. I don't like uh, Inception very much. Uh, well, well, Ben, you suck. D- d- not, not, I don't like Inception not, or Shutter Island very much. Something wrong with me. I, I, don't, I don't care for Shutter Island either. I feel, I feel like that's a bit. Um, it, it's. I mean, it's the horror nature of it. I don't really care for. I'm not in the horror films at all. Like, not that I'm a wuss, but I just don't care. Um, like psychological horror. It's just, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just find it a bit boring. But um, yeah, Inception. Go ahead. Uh, fight me on it. Anyone. I might. But I'm coming to London. Maybe I will fight yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wasn't there some episode where like you just can't you punch me through the, the computer screen? Oh, we've had so many episodes. There was one I remember coming in. I felt like Charlie just punched, bitch slapped me through the fucking computer screen. <laughs> Maybe the first time I ever meet Charlie's gonna slap me in the face. Oh gosh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it'll be too cold for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, did, did you just cold? Um, did you just cold test the fact that you're coming through? And we're gonna probably do a couple of actual in-person episodes. Uh, I didn't, sometime I didn't next necessarily year. cold test it. I don't know if we, have we actually announced that yet? We didn't officially announce no, it. I don't know if you just we never announced it. You announced it, right? There, there you go. It's but, just been yeah. announced. Yeah, just, just live. <laughs> so you know, you know, just live from note. the garden. Yeah. My garden. No, I'm good. In February? Fuck off. I ain't happening. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor, Fifth Element. I've been Carter, Hip Hop Numbers. What is your favourite Nolan film then? If you ain't? I don't even know Nolan that well, to be honest. I'd have to look him up. Christopher yeah, Nolan. Like, I don't know. You know me. I'm like the guy who listens to just pop rap when it comes to movies. <laughs> just, you know yeah, what I mean? Just default to say Dark Knight. Like oh, shit. Stuff. Okay, um, you've got a fair few here. Fucking Dark Knight is legendary. Interstellar is fucking legendary. Oh man, this man is a genius. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Interstellar. That movie, I swear to God, it's just so brilliant. But you're right, it has the the flickering that it does at the start of this movie as well, you know. The prestige, Dark Knight Rises, Dunkirk. I I don't think I ever watched Dunkirk. Maybe I should watch it. If you haven't seen Memento, highly recommend that. Okay, I haven't seen that one either. Yeah. I'm check that. Highly one recommend out. Memento. Go, that's a really good film. Um, it's, it's very, it 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 tees up. It's one of his early. I think it's like his first like debut film. So um, you know, it's, it sets up a lot of what a lot of the motifs um that you know come through for the rest of his uh, filmography. But uh, anyway, I'll leave it there. Hope you have all have a good week. Wish I was trying to do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Let's go. All right, peace. The Game Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of mini games by bonus points. There's a short music for the bid use. Socials for Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Short Music will be in the full show notes, as well as names of projects reviewed with listening. 
This has been a 5e PR production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll just see you next time. I'm digging in. Do, do, do.